shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. It is Thursday, January the 19th, 2023. You are listening to Human Hope episode 92, and I'm your host, Carlitos. I'll get to my full name in a second, but y'all ready for this? Come on, come on. Oh, yeah. Here we are. Bounce with me, bounce with me. Come on, are your shoulders bouncing, people? Are they bouncing? Mine are. Guys, I am on a high. I mean, I like, I'm not high. No offense if you are high or if you do that. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I am just, I am feeling it. I am feeling it because we are only a few hours out of of me delivering the news that the Insta Familia, which is many of you, the Human Hope Familia, the pod, the Podelia, raised one hundred and forty-four thousand dollars. I mean, I, I can I just, I mean, like, is that even normal to say? Like, I, am I getting used to just saying that? Because if I am, I need to, I need to figure something out. Because that's not normal. Hey. Hey. Hang on. Oh, I just love that part. Um, that's not normal. It's not normal for... It's not It's not normal for even like, you know, TikTok influencers or whatever to raise that large a sum of money. Um, it's not. And I'm here to tell you that... Uh, um, I am so impressed by the compassion and empathy of the Insta Familia. You know, when we did it this time, uh, we did it different than we've ever done it. I'm fading Dr. Delight out. I also am, I've got a brand new soundboard over here. Like a brand new, it's it's the Rodecaster Pro 2. And I mean, I actually think it sounds amazing. Do you think my voice sounds better than it normally does? Worse? 
I'm like not using my cloud lifter. Listen, I'm using all of these technical terms, but I just, I think it sounds good in my headphones. So hopefully you think, well, it sounds good too. Let me know. I mean, I don't know. Let me know your thoughts. Do you like the way it sounds now? Do you like the way it sounded before? This is very important for me. But anyway, squirrel. I don't even know what, why I'm talking about my microphone and my soundboard. What was I talking about? Oh, just, just, you know, the, how we're doing it. Oh my gosh. I freaking lost my train of thought because Dr. Delight came on when we broke down the little instrumental part. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know. All of that to say, I am overwhelmed at how, um, how much we give. We just give so much. And listen, I'm going to get more on this next week. Next week, I'm hoping next week uh, to get one of the recipients of the Insta Familia giving blitz this week because we gave $144,000 to now it's uh, six Waffle House employees and two grocery department store employees that will remain nameless. The grocery store will remain nameless. Um, Anyway, we gave them this money and I'm hoping that one of them maybe can come on the show and we can hear their story. Wouldn't that be cool? I was actually hoping maybe we could do that tonight, but can I tell you something? This one, this one beat me down that like this one, this, this one took it out of me. And I think it's because I normally, when we do these giving blitzes, you know, like I'm like, Hey, I'm at the airport. Look, there's somebody that we can give a tip to. Hey, let's see what we can raise in 30 minutes and we, we can raise in an hour. And then I give it to them. And then whether it was, it's thousand dollars, $5,000, whatever. And then they know, and all I'm doing now is just collecting money. After that, it's just like, oh, sweet. Let's just see what rolls in. Boom, $100,000. Bam, there you go. Blessed, right? But this time, I didn't tell them. This time, I didn't, we didn't give them a tip until 48 hours later. <laughs> so it was, it was just a lot of like producing, producing the, the whole thing. And man, it, it wore me out. Can I get like a, um, a giving producer? I ain't got money to hire you, but any volunteers like want to come and like whenever I do these giving blitzes, just control every facet of it so where I can like not be 49 years old and exhausted, <laughs> which I don't know if that's even possible. Anyway, I'm going to get, I've got thoughts on giving that I'm going to give in another episode because this episode isn't about giving. Um, this episode is about the fact that you, the human hope familia, you are the first, I can't believe this. You're the first ones. Nobody, nobody has this. Nobody has this. Nobody has this. It's just you. Literally not another human being on planet earth is going to be able to hear the audiobook of me reading how to human. Because by the time this podcast comes out next week, the book will have been out for two days already. Two days. So here is the step, step number one. If you are a human hope listener, which there are thousands of you and you have not pre-ordered the book, but you are going to buy the book. If you got the capacity or the funds to pre-order it, it really helps. Like I'm really trying uh, to get as many sold that first week. So if you, if you could pre-order right now, pre-order, if not, guess what? Lucky for you, I'm going to read you the introduction in section one. Oh, this is so fun. It's like a little, it's, I mean, I'm just so excited. I haven't done this before. I'm reading my own book on, uh, on my podcast. And again, I, I need to, I need to remind you guys, nobody has heard me read this. Okay. The, I, there, there's probably just as many audiobooks sold as, uh, eBooks. 
Kindle books, iBooks, whatever. And um, I read the entire book in a studio, um, but nobody's heard it yet because it doesn't release until Tuesday. But you, you get to hear me read it. And can I tell you something? Because this, I can do this on my new little sound roadcaster pro thing. This Now you're going to be impressed by it, okay? I can, I'm going to, I'm going to read it over. I'm going to read it over. This is so fun. So let me, let me read just like a, like my bio, but I'm going to read it over an underscore. <laughs> How cool is that? So I went to soundstripe.com. I'm a member and I downloaded an underscore four of them actually. So it depends on the mood of what I'm reading. Watch this. So, so say I'm reading this, say I'm like, well, I mean, just look at the difference. Ready? Carlos Whitaker is a speaker, a social media personality. This is my bio. And the author of Moment Maker, Kill the Spider, and Enter Wild. A self-professed hope dealer, he frequently speaks at some of the nation's largest churches, corporations, and culture-shaping conferences, as well as... Okay, so that, that's me boring. Now, ready? Listen to this. Carlos Whitaker is a speaker, a social media personality, and the author of Moment Maker, Kill the Spider, and Enter Wild. A self-professed hope dealer. He frequently speaks at some of the nation's largest. <laughs> How amazing was that? How cool is that? Look, I got, I got different ones. Oh no, that's for the ad. Um, but anyway, I got these buttons on my thing that I can do that on the fly. I just feel, I feel like a DJ, like a true DJ. This is like WKRP in Los Cincinnati. If you're over 45, you will understand that. If you're younger, I apologize. Um, <clears throat> WKRP in Cincinnati, watch it. My parents wouldn't let me watch it when they were, when I was younger because they were, I don't know, a little scandalous. Okay. So how to human, the most important book I feel like I've written. Um, actually th I take that back. That's not true. That's not true. I feel like every book I've written has been important for the season I was in, but I don't think I could have written a more important book for the season that we're walking through right now. Does that make sense? So without further ado, I mean, I don't know how long this is going to last. I mean, this, this literally could last me 10 minutes and that's the end of the podcast. Okay. So this may be the shortest podcast of your life or not, but I'm just, I'm going to read the introduction and the first chapter. And I don't know if I'll get in trouble. If I read the second chapter, what's the second chapter? Let's see. Introduction, first chapter. And if you go to YouTube, you can watch me read it first. The first section is B. Oh, first chapter is be human. Duh. Come on, Carlos. Um, and then second chapter. Oh, look at how they, you know what? This is like the first time I've actually seen, like opened my book properly to see. No, no, I think I may read two chapters. Okay, um, here we go. Or maybe I'll just sneak another chapter. Maybe I'll like go to the back or something. I'm just excited. I'm nervous at the same time because I'm like, oh my God, what if they listen to this and they hate it? What if they, but maybe they, you won't hate it if I've got some good um, background music. Oh, I don't know if I like that. That seems, that sounds too mysterious. Oh, this, this feels, this feels like the vibe. Okay. Ready? How to human three ways to share life beyond what distracts, divides and disconnects us. Carlos Whitaker. And the forward is read by our great friend, Sharon McMahon. Oh, oh, that's weird. It's kind of intense, huh? I, I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to. I don't know if I'm gonna like this. I don't know if I'm gonna like the the uh, sound pad. Hold on. I mean, this one may work. Okay, here we go. Oh yeah. No, it sounds like we're we're like uh, 
in Lord of the Rings. This is it. This is, that's the one introduction. Yeah. I like this one. It was 1985. I was in fifth grade and wore a parted Afro that would have made Arnold from different strokes jealous. I remember all my friends wanting to touch it. And I remember that not being weird. I mean, who could blame them? Such a soft, perfectly round Afro. After all, I was the only friend in my friend group who had a perfectly rounded sphere on my head. All my other friends, well, they were white. They didn't have hair like mine. I secretly wished I had their hair. Um, I'm already messing up. But I don't remember. Oh, that's right. But I don't remember the girl I had a crush on at the time, Amber, touching their hair. Amber Watson, if you're listening to this, that was you. She only, that was an aside. Look, you're getting extra stuff already. You're getting extra stuff already. And I'm actually, I think, over the background music. <laughs> I'm over it. Hang on. I gotta stop it. Okay. <clears throat> it was a great attempt. Wouldn't you say it was a great attempt? Um, she, she only touched mine. So at least that was a plus. My barber was a guy by the name of Curtis. Curtis cut hair at North Lake Mall in Decatur, Georgia. I, I don't remember much about him other than, than the fact that he smelled so good. Like almost too good, if that makes sense. Man, he smelled good. The, the whole barbershop smelled like Curtis. My mom didn't think it smelled good, but, but I did. Curtis smelled like what a third grade boy thought a man should smell like. That smell always meant that my baby fro was about to get sculpted. And it wouldn't take Curtis too long. Probably only about 10 minutes, but I loved those 10 minutes. Curtis would wrap my neck in a towel and sweep that plastic cape up into the wind from the corner fan, letting it cover me. I loved the way the cape sounded like a whip. I'm even adding sound effects. This is so cool. I, I need to redo my audiobook and let them let me add sound effects. Well, like a whip cracking when it opened. And the way it would slowly settle down against me like a parachute landing. It felt so majestic. He would spin me in the chair toward the mirror and start the trimmer. I'd close my eyes and almost fall asleep every single time. Amazing. So I'm sitting there one day getting my haircut with my eyes closed. Curtis was talking to my mom about some boring grown-up stuff. Suddenly, we heard shouting coming from outside the shop. It wasn't shouting like angry shouting. It was different scarier. It was a woman whose shouting was getting louder. Nobody shouted back at her. Somehow that was scariest of all. As the trimmer buzzed past my left ear, I opened my eyes. I'll never forget what I saw. A man came running past the front window of the shop, running so fast. He was carrying a kid who was even younger than me, probably just four or five years old. The kid wasn't screaming, but he was bouncing with every step the man took as he sprinted past the front window. The man wasn't screaming, but the woman's screams were getting even louder. The lady 
who was chasing him. And then whoosh, another person went sprinting by the door, then another and another. And now more people were screaming, not just the woman. Then in what seemed like slow motion, Curtis dropped his clippers on the ground and sprinted out the door. He'd been halfway from the front of my fro to the back when he dropped them, still switched on. They were vibrating on the floor in the barbershop as I sat there. My mom started yelling at me, Carlitos, ven aquí, ven aquí, Carlos, come here, come here. I was scared because the woman screaming was clearly scared and everything felt so chaotic. I, I jumped off the chair and ran over to my mom. She held me tighter than normal. There was more chaos outside the front window of the barber shop as I saw more people running past. Carlitos, I think somebody's baby got kidnapped, my mom said. We sat in the barber shop holding each other for a few minutes. When all the screaming stopped, my mom and I walked out the front door. We went down the huge hallway on the second level of the mall, moving toward the source of the commotion. There was a police car and sirens in the background and probably 50 or so people gathered at the end of the mall hallway. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As we got closer, I saw Curtis. He was talking to one of the police officers. There were roughly seven other men talking to police officers too. I remember them so clearly. One was a heavyset older black man. He was breathing deeply and he kind of looked like my uncle Denicio. He had a bunch of moles uh, on his neck and seemed to be talking more with his eyes than with his mouth. Then there were two younger men who looked like brothers. They were white and really skinny like me. They might have been 18 years old and they weren't breathing nearly that hard. <laughs> but they talked 100 miles an hour, like they were almost giddy gesturing with their hands. They wore tank tops and jean shorts and looked a bit like the boys who picked on me at school. Then there was this rich guy. I say rich guy only because he wore what my friend Billy's dad wore and Billy's dad was rich. He lived over on Winfield Circle where all my rich friends lived. Must be rich, I thought. Curtis was talking loudly. A police officer wrote down every single thing that he said. And then I saw the mom. It had to be her because she stood there sobbing and holding the little kid the running man had been carrying. Did they catch him? There was no way Curtis caught him, I thought. I saw Curtis run out the door. No way Curtis caught him. Curtis had to have caught up after the faster guys caught the bad guy. As I looked around though, I didn't see any sign of the bad guy who took the kid. Maybe they had him cuffed and in a police car. I sure, I sure hope Kurt, uh, blah, blah, blah. sorry. I sure hope Curtis is going to finish your hair, Carlitos, because it's looking lumpy, my mom said, laughing and hugging me. I felt so safe when she hugged me like that. And I felt even safer than normal in that moment. A few minutes later, Curtis came walking towards us. Sorry, lost my place. Yes, Curtis came walking towards us. 
We got him. We got the bleep. (laughs) That was a bad word. And I gave it to him, he said. I really gave it to him. Even in fifth grade, I knew what that meant. Good for Curtis. I would have punched him too. Come on, kid. Let's finish taming that mane, Curtis said as we walked back into the barbershop laughing about how out of shape he was. I don't remember much else about that day, but my fifth grade brain did hang on to one takeaway from the experience. As I've thought about that scene many times since, I realized that when Curtis saw the other men running by, he didn't stop to think. He saw two skinny white kids, a rich guy, a black man that looked like my uncle. Curtis didn't ask them what they were doing. He didn't hesitate. He dropped the trimmer and he ran. Curtis didn't ask them where they lived. He just ran. Curtis didn't ask them who they voted for. He just ran. Why? Did he think about it and research if he should run after the bad guy or not? No, he just did what he did. Why? Because that's what was inside him. And that's what was inside all those other guys too. They came together to do the right thing as humans. They didn't have a meeting or form a committee or hold a conversation to try to figure out what the right thing was. They knew and they ran because deep down, Even if they didn't realize it, that's what humans were created to do. We were created to instinctively band together and reach out for the betterment of one another. With we each possess a deep, we each possess a deep desire to help, an innate desire to see good win. It's inside every single one of us. Yes, even that person you're thinking about right now. The one who is the epitome of everything you think is wrong with humanity. It's inside them too. I know this can seem like fantasy, that everyone has something in them willing to risk in order to rescue, to join people that don't look like them, talk like them, vote like them, think like them, or worship like them in order to help others who are in need. That seems preposterous, right? Especially after 2020. That was a year in which a perfect storm of politics, pandemic, protests, and more showed us the ugly side of humanity. But I want to tell you something true. Every single human being has this desire to help. Unfortunately, here's what we come up against. This is the pain point, the rub. The overwhelming amount of news and content and social media chatter that floods our eyes and devices every single day tells us the opposite thing, that the world has gone to hell, that there is no hope for humanity, that our divided opinions have led us to oppression, that the country is just going to get worse from here, that there is no hope for decency in our world, that the whole thing is us versus them. All that messaging leaves us in a scary place. Where we are, oh, all that messaging leaves it. Listen, if you want the perfect version, buy the audiobook, okay? All that messaging leaves us in a scary place where we are merely surviving instead of thriving. But what if I told you that it doesn't have to be this way? Or even better, what if I told you that the world is not this way? That's right. What if I told you that the world is filled with compassionate, giving, kind, and loving individuals who do want to help those around them, full of people like you and like me? 
many of whom simply need a recalibration to live with the kind of generosity and goodness they were made for. And I'm not just talking about recalibrating your coworker who has a bumper sticker that makes your blood boil. I'm not just talking about recalibrating your aunt on Facebook whose posts are filled with the epitome of everything wrong with humanity, or so you think. No, I'm actually talking about you. That's right, because change starts with you. Humanity doesn't need a rebuild. It simply needs a recalibration, a reset, if you will. I have come to the understanding that we have all been created in the image of God. I know that's not the belief system you may have grown up in, but it's the crux from which I am writing. It's, it is the basis I am funneling all these thoughts through. Genesis 1 tells us that we were made in the image and likeness of God. And that's an incredible place to start from. Later in the book, we will dive deeper into what creation should desire to become. For now, just know that is my starting place. To rebuild what we were designed to be isn't our job. That would be an impossibility for us. That falls in someone else's hands alone. We will get to him later, but for the time being, just go with me towards this recalibration, towards this reset. You likely understand the next three words and the power they had and still can have over our lives. You ready? Control, alt, delete. These words were our literal rescue. You see, before there were MacBook Pros that simply worked every single time you turned them on, we had these computers called, and many of you you may use them, this is an aside, they're called PCs. Now, oh, I already said it in the book too. Sorry, I'm not reading anymore. I'm I'm literally, I just said what I thought I was going to say. It's like I'm writing the book right now. This is amazing. Okay, back to the book. Now, I know you might still use one and I've heard that they've gotten better. But let me tell you that in the 90s, these things would fill with so much spyware and viruses that even moving the mouse across the screen would become a cumbersome task. So whenever our computers would slow down because of all the stress that was being put on them from all the processes they were having to do behind the scenes, we would simply press those three buttons at the same time. What are they? Control, Alt, Delete. What would that do? Well, to be honest, I don't know what happened on the inside of the computer, but I do know that when it would turn back on, things would run so much better. It was like a recalibration and reset. I didn't rebuild the entire computer. I didn't add RAM or put a new motherboard in. I simply reset and recalibrated it back to its original design. We can do this. And who can help the people around you with that recalibration? It's not going to be me. Look, I know my face is on the cover of the book, but it's not me. It's going to be you. I don't have your photo, so I couldn't put you on the book. You see, I've seen it firsthand. I have seen this recalibration with my own eyes. People from both sides of the aisle, people from various faith backgrounds, people who vehemently disagree on politics, policies, protests, pandemics, and deities all coming together for the good of a single human, putting their opinions and stances and beliefs aside to step up and rescue someone. And I'm not talking about seeing this kind of thing happen in 1985. I'm talking about seeing this happen in 2020 and 2021 and 2022 and 2023 as I'm reading this. 
You see, deep down inside each one of us, yes, even them, is an inherent desire for good. Mm, that'll preach. Sorry, I didn't write that. It's, I'm just preaching myself. It's not even a desire. It's an actual human reflex inside each of us. This isn't complicated. We just need to unearth that buried reflex and bring it out to the surface of who we are today. And we may have to dig it out of ourselves. Will it take some work? Absolutely. Will it be fun? Absolutely not. As Curtis walked me back to the barbershop that day in 1985, smelling like the cologne he poured liberally onto his torso, mixed with incredibly strong body odor brought on by his spontaneous workout to chase down a kidnapper, he wasn't thinking about how hard he'd had to work to catch the guy. No, Curtis wasn't thinking about Curtis wasn't thinking about how much fun he did not have sprinting his 250 pound body past Arby's and Sears to jump on top of the kidnapper. Nope. Curtis was as high as a kite on what he and those other strangers did to help that poor mother and child. They came together to help someone else. They came together. Why? Because that's how we human. So are you ready to dig? I've got all the tools you are going to need. Let's remind the world exactly how to do this, how to help, how to hope, and how to human. That is the introduction. And that took a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, should, I, should I read the first chapter? Um, I'm looking... I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a little break right now. Um, now, a break means I'm going to stop talking to you about this. And I'm going to talk to you about our partners, which are very important for the life of this show. Guys, listen, even if you just go to their website and just search around and just see, maybe this could be something for me. It really helps the show. And our first partner is ZocDoc. Y'all, they're our only partner today, ZocDoc. And listen, I... I am the worst when it comes to like finding doctors that don't stress me out. ZocDoc helps me with that, right? Like, so say like you've been complaining about a health problem you have and you end up like texting your group for like a group of friends about, hey, I've got this problem. Like, can you help me with this? That's probably not the best way to do things. Now, listen, we're like a pretty holistic family, right? Like health conscious wise, uh, but we still love our primary care physician. Thousands of medical professionals are on ZocDoc and they're there to help you. They listen like a friend and give you the expert care that you need. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance and are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. Okay. No more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't even met yet. This is what I want you to do. Go to ZocDoc.com slash human hope. That is ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash human hope and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. Super helpful for the show. If you go to Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash human hope, ZocDoc.com slash human hope. And now back to the show. Section one, B, 
All right. I'm going to read you the next. Uh, this is actually the first chapter. Be human. Uh, we're not reading the second chapter because I read really slow. Apparently, I'm finding this out. Um, you know, the cool thing about, uh, well, maybe you could do this on podcast. I think you can listen in double speed. So if I'm reading too slow for you, if you want me to get back to how fast I talk when I'm to podcasting, like I'm talking right now, you can listen to this in double speed. I just, am, I'm feeling the vibe of like really, really treasuring this moment with you, human hope fam. Do, do you feel loved that I, I like reached out to my publisher specifically and said, can I read this to them? Yes. Here we go. Chapter one, be human. If you say the year 2020 out loud these days, you will likely get a visceral reaction from most people who lived through that year. Try it. Walk up to somebody in your house or apartment or neighborhood and say, look me in the eyes. I want you to say the first word that comes to mind when I say what I'm going to say. Okay, ready? Take a moment and then say 2020. I promise you there will be a reaction of some kind. I'm not sure there's ever been a number that elicits such a unified response of disgust. I just tried it with my kids. Well, not just now because I wrote the book like a year and a half ago, but when I did. Ready to hear their one word responses? My oldest daughter replied, Ugh. I mean, not the most poetic answer, but I didn't raise poets. It's okay. My middle child responded with the word sucked. Okay. Starting to see a trend here. My third and youngest kid said, well, I can't repeat what he said in the book. He got in a bit of trouble for saying it, but you get it. What about the year 2019 or 2018? I asked. And I went back even a few years. My little focus group of Whitakers, which consists of my kids, offered quite a few words, all of which were a lot better than uh, sucked and bleep. All, it doesn't say bleep in the book. It's got all the little squigglies. All the words they shared for earlier years consisted of others' people's names or words associated with family trips that they remember fondly. It was astonishing. Nothing but pleasant thoughts for all the other years. Now, I'm not saying that every year prior to 2020 was wonderful for all of us, but I am saying by comparison, 2020 was horrible for many of us. Maybe most of us. And to be honest, I don't think it was the pandemic that left the most lasting marks on each person. I think our deeply inhuman response to everything that happened in 2020 left the deepest mark and for some, the deepest wounds. The year 2020 jacked up humanity. It threw many of us off course. And the problem is that we can't seem to rebound. I mean, I'm writing this book more than two years after the start of the pandemic, and it still feels like most of us got knocked off course and can't quite find our way back. I'm still processing, still working to understand. Maybe you are too. Why? Because 2020 was about so much more than 2020. My dad used to tell me this analogy about a ship. If you draw a straight line from the tip of a ship and it continues going straight for one thousand miles, it will end up in the place to which it is pointing. But if that boat moves by only one tiny degree for a few days of travel, it may seem like that ship is still heading to the original target. However, that one degree of change will eventually mean that the ship misses the original destination by more than 16 miles on a 960 mile journey. That's crazy. That simple one degree adjustment doesn't seem like a big deal. 
And day after day, oh, I'm sorry, that simple one degree adjustment doesn't seem like a big deal day after day. But as those days slowly add up over weeks, you will arrive at a completely different destination than you originally planned. So my question is a simple one. How does humanity get back on course to being the kind of people who run together to help a stranger in need? How do we reset our paths and find our way again after getting knocked off from our original course? It starts with us. We need to get back individually to who we were created to be. I looked away and I lost my place. Hold on. Who we were created to be. Where did I go? Here it is. Found it. Podcast. Human Hope Fam. You guys are uh, very forgiving of my ADD-ness. How do we reset our paths and find our way again after getting knocked off from our original course. It starts with us. We each need to get back individually to who we were created to be. We need to return to the original design for, for who God made us to become. When that happens, something comes alive in each of us. Something wakes up. Something that can join with the people around us to do incredible, brave, exciting, kind, and generous things the kind of things that a world in pain and uncertainty needs. God created us to come alive in our original plan and design. The spice of the Italian auntie, the peace of the Kenyan hunter, the sweetness of the Southern grandma. We all have God. Did that sound like a Southern grandma to you? We all have God's creativity deep inside of us. And I believe that the first step in learning how to human is to simply be human. Become who you were created to be. And who were you created to be? Well, the answer, my friend, is unfortunately often buried deep within. Buried beneath beneath years and years of trauma, trials, and triggers. I I really like those three T things. I I don't know why. It must be the 80s child in me. Sorry. Buried somewhere beneath the years of slowly growing opinions on issues. Oh, this is good. Let me say this again. Buried somewhere beneath years of slowly, slowly growing opinions on issues that may or may not affect you. Buried underneath underneath years of being surrounded by people who look like you, think like you, talk like you, and vote like you. Buried underneath years of watching your favorite television news anchor. Buried underneath years of trying your very best to be human. Now, I'm not saying anything about whether your years of being buried were good or bad, they could very well have been some of the best years of your life. But the true you, the one I want us to get to and unlock, that was around long before the world around you had any influence over your opinion of policies, people, and politics. There I go again, three three letters. When you read the book, tell me how many times I do that. Hey, listen, I ain't mad at it. It helps me. Sorry, I'm just, I'm reading it going like, wow, I like three T's, three P's. That version of you existed before that scary or traumatic thing that happened to you happened. That original version of you is what we are trying to recover and bring back to surface. And that version of you is the first step in remembering how to human. Maybe you're asking yourself, why is this so important? Well, it's important because I think 
that the world has a way of knocking us off course. Somehow we get convinced that we need to change, pretend, or become somebody other than our original selves. Even if the alteration is subtle and small, changes us only by one degree. Let me say that again. Even if the alteration is subtle and small and changes us by only one degree. I've seen it firsthand. As I personally watched 2020 do this to so many people, I saw it happen to me in 2022. Not 2022, but 2020 also. You see, at the core of each one of us is compassion. No, you see, at the core, I'm getting tired. We are 38 minutes into me reading. Okay, but this is good, right? This is good. I mean, I'm, I'm like wanting to mm-hmm myself. We're almost done. Okay. You see, at the core of each one of us, compassion can outweigh personal opinion. It's an internal innate piece of who we are as humans. And just like the reflex we saw in all those men chasing down the kidnapper in the mall in the introduction of this book, their compassion outweighed their opinions. Let me offer you another good example of this in practice. In late 2019, my oldest daughter, Sohela, became ill. Her illness progressed and got worse over the course of a few days, so much that we ended up rushing her to Vanderbilt Children's Hospital in Nashville, where they found a mass in her chest and diagnosed her with lymphoma. I could spend an entire book writing about those 21 days in the hospital. They were filled with miracle after miracle. But what I remember most about those days is the army of people who showed up for us, not just in person, but online, especially on Instagram, to pray, to lift our family in prayer, to intercede on behalf of my precious daughter. Prayers were sent up and I can tell you that healing and miracles were received. When I let everyone on Instagram know that the doctor saw mass in her chest and were checking us onto the oncology floor to begin treatment the next day for lymphoma, I saw thousands of new people show up on my Instagram account and begin to pray. I saw thousands of strangers become family. I saw them storm the gates of heaven on behalf of my baby girl. I saw people I didn't even know pray for miracles for our family and miracles happened. After a day of so many people praying, doctors discovered that the mass had air inside of it. A team of doctors came in to tell us that they had never seen a cancerous mass with air in it. So right then and there, they changed the diagnosis to an infection. Miracle. On the flip side, I saw people pray for other miracles that did not occur. Like when everyone prayed for her pain to dissipate, instead, her pain increased. I don't know how to make sense of all that, but I do know that people still showed up every day to keep praying. And isn't that kind of a miracle too? To be so kind and caring to a total stranger? They fell in love with my family and we fell in love with them. They went to battle alongside us and I am forever grateful. You know, those friendships that are forged in fire, this was one of those moments. Now, imagine with me for a second, When in March of 2020, just a few short months later, I shared my heart on Instagram relating to the racial injustices happening in America. And imagine my surprise when many of the same people who had gone into battle with me on behalf of my daughter, Sohela, suddenly sent me messages telling me how horrible I was and how they wished they had never prayed for us. All because I had shared my perspective on an issue that was incredibly close to me. 
Imagine my heartache when I got messages from people telling me that they felt like they had wasted their prayers. My heart was crushed. How in the world could so many of these precious people suddenly forget? Forget how to be truly human in the way they were created to be human. How could they show such kindness, generosity, and compassion, and then turn around and undo it all with words of incredible smallness and spite? Even if we disagreed and had differing opinions on matters important to us, did it have to be like this? How could they forget so easily? The truth is they didn't forget. You see, I believed the same things. I'm sorry, let me say that again. The truth is they didn't forget, I mean. You see, I believed the same things in late 2019 that I believed in March 2020. Perhaps people weren't aware or didn't care enough to know these things about me. Or maybe when my daughter got sick, their compassion outweighed their convictions when we asked for prayer for our family. But the collective stress of COVID-19 pandemic, but the collective stress of the COVID-19 pandemic mixed with racial unrest across the country, tied up with the divisive presidential election, all came together and created the perfect storm. This storm blew many of us, of course. Even if by one degree, it was enough. And small comments or events that seemed like no big deal the year before suddenly turned into a massive deal after a couple months of isolation, lockdown, political jockeying, worry, stress, and somehow it felt like we'd ended up landing in an entirely new reality. In these times, with many of us overcome by fear, trauma, stress, division, I think some of us simply forgot who we are. We forgot how to be. And that's what we're going to focus on in these first few chapters of the book. How can we find ourselves again? How can we rediscover our inner compass again and get our bearings? Because before we can help others, we must first be willing to help ourselves. And we can't help ourselves unless we are willing to do the hard work to remember who we are in the first place. Now, I'm not talking about some self-help, live your best life truth mantra here. I mean, maybe there's a place for that, but not here. We aren't going to self-help our way back to restoring our faith in humanity again. We only need to recognize who we are so that we can turn around and serve others. Not so, we can, not so that we are finally free all alone. No, what good is it for us to find freedom if everyone else around us is still in chains? We were created to love and be loved. So this first step, be human, is only the beginning. Let's look at someone who reflected this idea more perfectly than we could ever do ourselves. Let's look at the impossible example. Let's look at someone who knew who he truly was, Jesus. Now, now listen, I make no apologies that I'm an unashamed follower of Jesus, that I believe he is the literal son of God. But here's the incredible thing. Even if you don't believe in Jesus the way I do, even if you just think of him as a historical figure who, quote, did good in the world, there's no greater example left to us in literature or folklore on how to human. You can take the supernatural away from Jesus. He still wins the human award. You can take the whole God thing away. He still wins the human award. You don't have to believe what I believe about Jesus Christ. You can read all my other books to find out more on that. 
to come to a consensus that there isn't a greater example of real humanity than him. I'm not talking about that pastor on your TV. I'm not talking about your fifth grade Catholic school teacher. I'm not talking about people who may have misrepresented Jesus in your life. Nah, I don't have time to write the encyclopedia length books it would require to undo all that trauma. Nope. I'm simply talking about the person of Jesus here. And if you let me, I'd love to allow his life to guide us back to the path we were originally intended to be on. For some, that's a simple one degree shift. For others, that may be two or three degrees or more. But what I'm certain of is that it's not much more of a major change than that. You are close. We are close. How do I know that? I know because he is close. There's chapter one of How to Human. Thank you for letting me stumble my way uh, through that. And um, wow, actually that pumps me up. I actually have not read that in a minute, right? Since probably edits round two and I'm fired up. I'm ready to read my own book. I'm ready to be reminded of that, especially after like, like some comments I even got today. Like I, I, here we are doing good and, and I, I get it. Like everybody, everyone has an angle of everything, but like, you know, people were getting like, just nitpicky about the fundraising and about, you know, just, they were just, you know, being like, I don't know, Bobby Bummer or something, Betty Bummer. I don't know. Like they were just, it's like, wah, wah. Well, hold on. I think I've got a sound effect. Yeah. They were, they were being this. (laughs) So glad I have that sound effect. They were being that. And I'm like, and you know what I wanted to do? I want to be like, listen, listen, you grumpy old pants. Like, like, I can't wait to invite you to the next party. That's what I wanted to do. But that's not what Jesus would have done. (laughs) Unfortunately, we have to, I have to follow his example. And so guess what I did? (sighs) Swallowed it, swallowed the, pride and all the other things that were getting in the way. And I listened and they had some good points and I still didn't agree with their points, but I learned something and I was able to answer them in a human way. I mean, you can go in my comment section from the posts from yesterday and you can see some of that happening. Um, but it, it's, it's just, I, I got to walk the walk if I talk the talk. So friends, you can order how to human wherever books are sold. You can go to how the number two humanbook.com. Um, pre-ordering really, really helps. And then here's here it is on launch day. Ain't no shame in my game. I'm going to ask every single person that's pre-ordered the book. I ain't going to lie. Order one more for grandma or your uncle Jack or Kate, or I mean, in my case, my uncle Denicio. Um, and let's get this book in as many people's hands as possible. I believe this book is was written for people on the left, people on the right, people in the middle, people in the North, people in the South, Christian people, Muslim people, straight people, gay people, all the people. I believe that this book is written for such a time as this to help us human. Uh, thanks for letting me do that. Oh my gosh, I'm so kind of you. Uh, Dutch, Dr. Delight, three, two, one, hit it. All right. I mean, what can I say? You're here every week and I'm so grateful for you. Uh, please, please, please review the show. It's so helpful. I'm asking you to do all these things, please. Question? Y'all ready for this? Shoulder time now. Bounce with me. Bounce with me. All right. Well, that is it. That's the end of Human Hope episode number... Did I even say what episode this was? 
if I didn't, uh, this is episode 92. We're eight away from 100. We're going to have a big grand episode. Oh, listen, also, if you are in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, this coming Thursday, the 26th, we are having uh, Insta Familia meetup, the very first Insta Familia meetup ever, 6.30 p.m., Creve Hall Bagel Company. I'm going to have my books there, or you can bring your book. I can sign it, but it's the first time we're ever doing that. And so, yeah, how fun is that? Please come if you're in Nashville. I would love to see your face. I'd love to just look in the eyes. And there's something about seeing my podcast listeners, especially my podcast listeners, face-to-face. There's just something, um, you know, I see my Insta familia all the time, but some people that listen to podcasts, like you guys get the most of me, right? I mean, you just literally got a freaking hour of me, uh, 50 minutes of me. And so like, I, I know that we're like friends. We're like fam. Like we hang out on your walks and your car rides. So please, whenever, whenever you see me, oh, hang on. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. Put the needle on the record and the drum beat goes like this. Oh. oh man, I just love that part. So I like to know if you listen to the podcast, please tell me because I, that automatically takes you like to A team, right? You know, you got your relationships, the A team and the B team. I mean, at least I do. Um, the A team is just the A team, right? The B, the JV team is the JV squad. And I love the JV squad, but they're not who I'm playing with every day. Um, Okay, so that's enough for that. Thanks for hanging out. If you ever see me, uh, let me know you listen to the podcast. And please come to the Insta Familia Meetup, Creve Hall Bagel Co., 6.30 p.m., January 26th. And we're going to celebrate the launch of the book. Friends and family, thanks for hanging out with me on another episode of the Human Hope Podcast. My name is Carlos Enrique Guitiel Guzman Archibor Cabello. And I'm going to leave you with this saxophone. And we'll see you next week. Literally the best song. If you're still here, I'm still dancing. <laughs> I know 90% of you turn it off, but I'm still dancing. I can't, I can't help it. So good. See you next week.